Hello everyone, I'm Ellis Traub and this is Money, Business and More. Today I'm going to talk to you about the one thing that probably represents the greatest challenge in business. It's the reason that executives in big businesses make the big bucks and why so many aspiring entrepreneurs so often don't make it. Whether you've gone to a highfalutin business school and have got degrees out the kazoo, or you started a business and it went belly up. All of that is, or should be, your education. The purpose of which is to enable you to make good decisions. And making good decisions is what we're going to talk about today. Today I'm going to blow away some of the myths about decision making and turn many of your ideas about it topsy-turvy. For example, I'm going to show you how the hardest decisions are the easiest to make and why. I'll show you why snap decisions are always better than those you agonize over, and I mean always. And I'll give you a remarkably easy way to reach into the most creative depths of your mind to populate and then select the best option when confronted with the need to create a series of options to choose from like picking a name for a new baby or deciding what new business you're going to go into. And I'll give you a formula for making sure that the decisions you make will be the best ones for whatever you want to accomplish. Sounds like a tall order, but I'm going to do that in less than 20 minutes, so stay tuned. First of all, what makes a decision difficult? Is it the consequences of making a bad one? Is it the number of options you have to select from? What is it that makes you agonize over a decision you're confronted with and worry so much about whether you're going to be correct? Maybe it's that your peers will be judgmental and they'll think you're a poor manager or executive. Maybe it's your concern about letting your family down or losing your job. Of course, if you're your, your, your own boss, you don't have to worry about losing your job. Only your business, I suppose. Well, maybe the first thing you have to do is to get rid of every one of those concerns. You are where you are because you deserve to be there. You've earned that right, and no one else has. That's why it's you who's making the decision. So all you need to do is your best. And whether it's successful or not, you could have done no better, nor could anyone else. Given the same input, their output could have been no better. So, if you're conscientious about wanting to make the best decisions possible, you can tell anyone who criticizes you for the decisions you make to pound salt. And I cleaned that up a lot. Or you can make the decision to simply let criticism run off your shoulders and not even react if they criticize you. By the way, at this point, I have a book to recommend for you to read. It goes by the grossly profane title, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F-K. And the entire book is laced with words just like that. But then who gives a... Well, well, you get the point. All of the psychological issues surrounding the comments I just made are beautifully laid out in that book. And it's by Mark Manson, a guy young enough to be my grandson. But while I was lucky enough to have learned the behavior, he suggests the hard way... He's smart enough to put it into simple rules that made those behaviors easily understood. But I'm digressing. Why, then, is the most difficult decision the easiest? 
Well, it's because of the math. All decisions turn out to be binary decisions. That is to say, you have to select only one thing or another. Even if you have a list of options to decide from, you'll typically go through the list and compare one with the next and discard the worst of the two. That's a binary decision. Then you'll do the same thing with the next one, comparing your first choice with the next one in line. And you'll consider to compare all the options that way until you have a winner. In computer programming, that process is called a binary search. So no matter what you have to decide, it all boils down to selecting one or the other, right? In such a case, the right decision is usually so obvious that there's hardly a question. How easy can that be? You make the obvious ones all day long without batting an eye. But what if that decision isn't so cut and dry? These are the ones you might label difficult. In that case, you likely stop to think of the reasons why you should pick one, and then another reason pops up, why the other is better. If you're like me, you may actually draw a line down a page on a legal pad and list the pros on one side and the cons on the other. And then what do you do? Do you count up the pros and cons and come down on the side of the ones with the most pros? Well, that's a solution, but it's not the best solution. After all, not all pros or cons are created equal. Some of each are more important than others. So now I have another binary search to go through, figuring out which are the most important and which aren't. So you give them a ranking to help you do the math. You agonize, maybe decide to sleep on it, maybe go to bed but don't sleep. And at some point, still confused by all of the pros and cons, you say, what the hell? And come down on one side or the other with a big sigh of relief. But that relief was only short-lived because the only thing you've done is to put yourself in a position to wonder what might have happened if you decided the other way. The more compelling reasons they have on each side, the more angst the decision produces. And guess what? The annals of history have filled with executives who'd made bad decisions. If their motives were not ulterior, they were just unlucky. So let's look at another approach to that difficult decision. This time, you're going to go with your gut. You're going to analyze what outcome you want to have happen. What is the result supposed to be? Who's going to benefit from what you decide and how? If your motives are pure and in line with what your responsibilities are, the desired result will be pretty clear-cut. Your self-interest will be well to the bottom, if not off the list of priorities, and you'll pick one or the other without stopping to agonize over it and consider all the consequences of each option, without worrying about whether you missed anything or not. In fact, the closer the options are, the more compelling reasons for deciding one way or another compete with each other, the very things that make the decision difficult are what make it the easy. Because whichever way you go, there are enough good reasons for doing it to make it a justifiable decision. You can flip a coin and get a rational result and then forget about it and go on to the next one. But guess what? Believe it or not, the snap decision you make without giving it a whole lot of thought is always going to be the right one. And I mean always. And once you've made it, you won't have to give it any more thought. No remorse, no pondering over, 
gee, maybe I should have gone the other way because this or that might happen. Why is that? Well, there's a whole lot of science that actually bears this out, and there are a number of books that cover those studies. Probably the best one I've read is called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Without going into the detail, some of which is over my head, I'll just say that he points out the well-known differences between our right brain and left brain. While we humans have a whole bunch of neurons, uh, brain cells, and our heads actually around 100 billion, they're still all pretty busy when we think. In fact, they're so busy that while some are working on some tasks, others that are allocated to different kinds of tasks are put on hold to give priority to those that have more immediate interest or need. So the studies have shown that it's the left brain that's the methodical one. That's the side of us that systematizes, ponders, examines, does the math, listens and obeys us when we ask you to do the heavy lifting. But it's the right brain that actually is the more intuitive one. That's the one that's first consulted when we're confronted with the need for a quick decision. And the most interesting part of it is that the right brain process has been shown to intuitively and without prompting seek out, prioritize, and consider more things that should impact that decision than we ever could by conjuring up, listing them, or even just mulling them over. It does all of the important work that we would do, and it does it in a twinkling. Uh, hence the word, the title, blink. What's more, when we stop to think, and that's an appropriate phrase to use for it, the left brain actually takes over and it stops the right brain in its tracks. It put that intuitive thought process on hold until we give it permission to crank up again. If you're interested, I think it's an interesting read. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in just a minute. Did you know that you have access to a personal mentor to help you with your business issues? Whether you're starting a new business or trying to improve the way an existing business runs, you'll find them at SCORE.org. This is the website for SCORE, the Service Corps of Retired Executives. It's an arm of the U.S. Small Business Administration and consists of thousands of volunteers in more than 300 cities across the United States. And the best part is that their services are offered at no cost to you. At SCORE.org, you can enter your zip code and find a list of local mentors, each showing his or her areas of expertise. And you can schedule your own appointment at a convenient time and location. SCORE also offers a variety of regular workshops presented by professionals in their fields. You can see a current schedule of those events and pre-register on the spot. Some general classes are offered free of charge, while others have a modest fee, which is usually discounted for pre-registration. Check it out! SCORE is the place to go to find someone whose experience may be just what you need. So since we've hopefully taken most of the pain out of decision-making, there's one more trick I'd like to cover today. What about those occasions when you need to make a decision about something that's important, but you need to come up with a list of options from which you want or need to select one or more? How about things like picking a name for your new baby, deciding what business you want to go into, what hobby to pursue, 
or maybe what kind of entities or individuals make up the target market for your products or services so you can include them in your business plan. There's a very effective method that I've used often that works just as well for large groups as it does for one or two individuals, and it's called green light brainstorming. If you haven't heard about it, let me explain. Most of us, when we're confronted with a need to come up with a list like that, put our left brains to work and seek an idea. As soon as we come up with the first one, we stop to think. Does that sound familiar? We see a red light and put on the brakes so we can analyze it, consider its pros and cons, mull it over, and decide whether or not it has merit. We then go to the next one and repeat the process, setting the first one aside, maybe comparing it with the first one, and then go on to the next one. It's a ponderous process, well worthy of our left brains, and not only does it take an untoward amount of time, but it's hard to keep track of all the things we decided about each, especially as the list grows longer. Greenlight brainstorming has you decide first on the desirable parameters for the items you're going to contemplate, and then decide how long you're willing to spend assembling it. You then set a timer for the time you've allocated the task and let it rip. With someone to write down every idea as rapidly as they're suggested, without stopping to think about each of them, you assemble a list of ideas as fast as you can. They can be as silly or as stupid as can be, and while you might laugh as you go, you don't take the time to critique them. You just obey the green light, keep moving until the timer goes off. Of course, if you're still prolific and pumping out ideas, you can set your timer for a little longer. But don't stop to consider anything but generating new ideas. I remember when my son and I were trying to come up with ideas for a name for a financial software business. In the middle of all the relevant names, he yelled out, Worldwide Pants! <laughs> we wrote it down, had a good laugh, and then kept on trucking. What the hell does Worldwide Pants have to do with software? Anyway, when you're finished building your list, then go through it and cull out the silly ones. But you don't want to discard them until you've answered the question. What is it? What relevant thought might have led me to say that? You'd be surprised how often the answer to that question will reveal some creative idea that subliminally, without your even being conscious of it, prompted you to say what you did. When you've challenged and eliminated all that are obviously not useful, you'll then rank them according to the degree to which they meet the qualifications you decided on to begin with, and then you eliminate the ones you don't need from the bottom of the list. The benefit of this process is obvious. For the same reason your right brain is best suited to govern your binary decisions, it does the best job of reaching into your creative zone to come up with the suggestions. Instead of allowing the red light to put on the brakes on your right brain in favor of the ponderous left, it allows the most creative side of you to go full speed to create the list and then gives you a method of guiding your left brain to rank and select them. One last thought I'd like to share with you about making good decisions. This has nothing to do with the way your brain works, but it does have to do with decisions that affect others in your business. 
At the beginning of this podcast, I told you I'd give you a formula for making sure that your decisions were the best possible, and that formula is this. A good decision equals A plus I plus P. Well, as with any equation, it makes sense only when we know what these variables represent. In this case, the A represents authority, the I represents information, and the P represents power. When you make a decision about anything that affects others in your office environment, you need to be sure that each of those stakeholders has an opportunity to express themselves. Each is certain that you respect their contribution, and each embraces the decision that you make. Assuming that you're the one with the authority to make that decision, it's important to recognize that if you don't add the other elements to the equation, that decision will be limited to only your knowledge and experience. By adding the other elements, you don't by any means forfeit the authority to make that decision. Absolutely not. You simply show that you're eager to learn as much as you can to make your decision a wiser one. And you regard it as important that those who are affected by that decision have had a chance to contribute their thoughts about it as well. If you want an example to illustrate this point, let's say you're considering upgrading the telephone system in your office and you search for telephone systems that you believe will meet your needs on Google and have come up with the several that will do and are available at the right price. Do you actually know enough about the needs to be certain you get all the features that are needed? Do you use that phone system as much as, say, your receptionist or secretary or the sales folks who are making cold calls all day long? Or uh, how about the customer support people who are on the phone from the moment they come to work? Do you know anything about the technology and how up-to-date it actually is? Will you have to replace it in another year? Or will it last for you another 10? All of these things require more information than you have firsthand, don't they? So if you're going to decide what phone system you should buy, you, who are the A in this equation, will want to consult with the I, probably the salesmen who represent the companies you've selected as the most likely vendor to deal with. They have at their fingertips all the information you need to make a wise decision, and which, incidentally, your right brain is going to consider before it comes up with the answer. But even more important is the P. While you have the authority, who is it that holds the power? Like it or not, if you make a decision without getting some input from those who will use that system for the next 10 years, you have no idea how much power they have to render your decision a bad one. It doesn't take but one unhappy receptionist to make the best telephone system in the world the world's worst in no time. So, a word to the wise. So, please go to the Community Comments and Kudos section of our website, and that, of course, is moneybusinessmore.com, and let us know what we can do to make these podcasts more helpful. Or give us your ideas for some new ones. You might even green light brainstorm to help us put that list together. (laughs) 